Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Far Out Wisdom Podcast mini series, Everyone Needs a BJ. I haven't recorded this series in quite some time, but I wanted to bring it back for like a rebirth of the series. But before I begin this introduction, you guys could support FAL via PayPal, Venmo, or become a $5 Patreon member. Um, I'm trying to keep this podcast advertisement free as much as possible. So any donation that you guys give, I really appreciate it. I'm really grateful that you guys even took the time out of your day to make a donation. So I really appreciate that greatly. So I wanted to bring back this series and I wanted to give it to somebody with the actual name BJ. So BJ Carpenter is from The Daily Discourse and I met him through Connor Durting from the daily used to be the daily discussion but now they changed it to the daily discourse and I believe that Connor made a great decision having BJ as his um, co-host to come on and work together Um, I gave BJ a mini series on foul at the fact that this guy is a walking literally a walking Wikipedia he has so much information so much wisdom um, within him that I believe he should have a platform of some sort to come on and share it with other people. Um, What a smart, humble, intelligent, really soft-spoken man that, (laughs) and he's young too, he's younger than me. And so uh, when I was growing up, we always come across people who we say that are old souls and, um, I think that I I always make the joke that G- BJ is in the process of true enlightenment or Buddhahood. Um, but that's just a joke that I make. And, and, and as you can see, he's a really humble guy um, in the conversation that we had, which was very interesting. And I learned a lot. Um, but I wanted to end this by saying um, to share you guys a quote. And it says, you don't need to see thing- see different things, but rather to see things differently. So you don't have to necessarily see the things that BJ sees, but to see things differently than it, than it, it is. And he will lead you in that journey. Um, and as a host of Fowl, um, it is my duty to kind of guide him because he can be all over the place. But um, at the same time, just, just mind bombs being dropped Um, from him so I really hope that he at the end of the conversation that we had that he mind fucked you and gave you some sort of mind gas as always guys stay far out bye
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Far Out Wisdom Podcast. I'm going to bring back the miniseries called Everybody Needs a BJ. Um, I was about to like remove it completely, but I changed my mind. And right at the moment, I just woke up from a nap. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little groggy at the moment. So um, the reason being is that um, with Far Out Wisdom, guys, you guys know that this is an area of pretty much where the underdogs come together and pretty much share the wisdom. <clears throat> And I see the wisdom in everything. So the reason why I I brought out their series back is the fact that we have an actual person named BJ. That's from, um, what is it, the Daily Discourse or the Daily Discussion now? I'm kind of... Hey, hey, my name is BJ. Um, Connor Durding and I are partners on the Daily Discourse. It was the Daily Discussion when it was just uh, Connor. Um, And, you know, I would come on as a guest or whatever. But after some time, we've decided to partner up and we're rebranding. And so now it's called The Daily Discourse. But yep, my name is BJ and I'm from TDD. Yeah, same. So <clears throat> so pretty much the reason why he want, he needs his own Larry series is because you guys are going to hear it right at the moment. We didn't really prepare anything. I wanted to like kind of test him out a little bit. My alarm just came on. See, that's podcasting. I could just like wear no pants and let the alarm go off. So but anyways... um. <clears throat> The reason being that I wanted to bring him back in is because the fact that you guys were here at the moment. Um, if you guys have ever heard the saying of a young person with an old soul, that's BJ. And I gave him everyone needs a BJ at the fact that you guys will hear how much wisdom this person has. Um, we have no video at the moment, but he has like, what, 4,000 books I believe. I yeah, I have to <laughs> categorize and catalog them all, but something, something like Egg. that. So I met him through uh, Connor, and he sent me a friend request. I didn't really pay attention to him, but this guy has so much information he want, like he can share. It's not even, you know, like you come across somebody who's very arrogant when they know something. Like when you go to, this is why I dropped out of academia because I was so sick of being around people who pretend to be philosophers and stuff. And me, in my personal opinion, people who are in academia who are philosophers are sophists. That's just my opinion. And as Plato uh, and stuff, <clears throat> they don't like sophists, and that's pretty much how I how I yeah. am. <laughs> that when you when you philosophize or when you talk about philosophy and stuff like that, I I don't necessarily believe that you could make money off of it per se because everybody to me is a philosopher. They share wisdom. So you guys are gonna hear BJ. So I'm just here. I'm the host of Fow, sure, but. When you get BJ going, he goes. And yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm just going <clears> to <throat> be the person just going to drive. And he's going to be the person that's going to be the one uh, dropping fire <laughs> to uh, you guys. So, <laughs> oh, you're me a big so, head. Mm-hmm. so I gave him this. And if you guys want to connect with him, please, um, every time that I we're going to post a series, um, it's up to BJ what he wants to do. It's not going to be like a constant thing because he has a busy life and he just had a baby. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> I'm going to try to keep this constant uh, with him um, and, and follow him in the, the daily discourse and their, their side. And you guys will see what I'm talking about because he flows. He would just, <clears throat> just constantly go, 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 go to the point where you're like, okay, I don't even know where it's at, but at the same time, it sounds really freaking awesome. So, welcome to Foul, BJ. Hey, thanks. I'll try to live up to the expectation. <laughs> I enjoy so, having conversations. I do. I, I think it's a problem that I go on such long monologues, but it's a. I'm always practicing for the future because you know one day I hope to monetize my thoughts and I hope to be able to you know 
make a living off of sharing my ideas so that way I can focus more on learning new things and incorporate that new knowledge into my noggin and then, you know, spit it out in my own BJ way for the world. And so although part of me does feel some semblance of grief because I just talk and talk and talk at people sometimes, uh, mm -hmm. I'm trying to get better at it. I'm trying to get better at the delivery and anything that I can do to practice that is great. So I really appreciate you coming uh, or at least letting me come on to uh, Everybody Needs a BJ on FAO and giving me, you know, an opportunity to talk about ideas and another platform. I really appreciate that. We made a joke about this on Facebook together. We were like, you know, um, I think he was on the da Daily Archetypes. And you guys could check out that too as well because we're all friends. And he was talking about busting a nut. I, okay, this is foul. Okay, we're not dirty. But the, the thing with us is that <clears throat> I like to make like sexual analogy so people can get into their noggings. Sure. to understand what i'm talking about so when bjs are, are, are awesome okay and i feel bad for bj having that name bj but that's just how it is <laughs> so, got but... many fights about it as a kid <laughs> i'm over it now i'm zen i'm zen now <laughs> and so pretty much what i'm trying to do is let bj allow to plant the seed in your brain so your ideas can <laughs> grow and that's what i i, I I honestly, okay, so there's, I, I forgot the quote. Um, I have been on a lot of the Dalai Lama, uh, the Tibetan Buddhist monks, and pretty much their teaching. And when they can tell somebody's going to be the next Dalai Lama, it takes, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm like that, but what I'm saying is, is that I think BJ is going to be a very successful philosopher. And I say this at the fact that he, even though he has lots, lots of books and stuff and educate himself on things is the fact that he's able to take that idea and make it his own, if that makes sense. A lot of people, they like to use in arguments and stuff like that. Oh, well, Dr. Peterson said this or Sam right. Harris said this. BJ actually breaks down what he thinks he sees of the situation or the issue, etc. So that that's quite impressive, in my personal opinion. I know I'm giving you a big head, but that's yeah, pretty much yeah. how, my observation hey, of it. So Everybody needs a BJ, right? Get a big head <laughs> and it works out. Hey, but no, I mean, that is the truth. I mean, you know, I there will be times where I espouse other people's ideas because I won't feel a type of way on it or maybe I won't have enough knowledge on that on that subject. Maybe it's just a cursory or a, you know, a topical understanding. And in those instances, I, I you know, I'm not afraid to to say, yeah, this is this person's idea or or, or that. But um, I do I do take pride in and try to integrate all thoughts and all schools of enlightenment and you know even the realm of science and positivism and empiricism and all of this stuff on that path with you know major world religions and with literal cults trying to understand their their mentality and their philosophy i am really big into freemasonry and just like a bunch of different things and i'm uh, that's why i call myself an eclectic philosopher because i do try to ingest all of it but change it and sort of alchemize it into my own baby that I want to give to the world with my seeds, I guess, that I'm going to drop yep. on people if we're going to continue with that analogy. But yeah, so that's that's where I come from. I mean, you know, I'm just I'm just a person. I have my limited knowledge on the topics that I know of, but I do I do take pride in trying to teach people, and you know, I, it's my goal to learn as I teach and teaches I learn. It's sort of my, one of the tenets of my philosophy, which is very multifaceted. Um, and currently actually I'm writing a series of philosophy books. My outline is complete. Now I just have to actually sit and do the work and, um, and I'll be laying out all of the stuff, like things that we will talk about if they're not very specific 
like today, I want to talk a bit about aliens and, you know, maybe next time we can talk about politics or whoever, but if it, if it, if it's foundational, if it's metaphysical, if it's like philosophical, it's going in the book. So you'll probably hear things here on this channel and on TDD and everywhere else that will be familiar to you if you follow me and Boone and us um, when my book releases. But it's coming. And you have fans already. Um, a lot of people were really supportive when you posted on uh, Facebook that you wanted to like, you know, do philosophy for a living. And I, I think you're, you're fantastic for um that kind of role um a lot of people are like i'm a philosopher no you're on youtube my friend you're on youtube fam you're, you're not a philosopher but it's it's even like so you guys don't know this too this is a, this is a, a, an excellent thing bj also raps and hip-hop so me and him are very we're influenced by hip-hop so if you guys don't know who tupac is i mean listen to him he, isn't he a lyrical philosopher too in poetry and things oh, yeah. like that. So when when somebody, I think it's just like the arrogance of the individuals or the intellectual in a philosophy that I think when we say that word, we're like, oh, well, we like to do philosophy for a living. <clears throat> we're doing it right now, actually, podcasting and stuff like that. That's a form of philosophy. It's just more like a technical investment of the art form, right? So yeah. I hope that you, you put it in on Amazon, your books and stuff like that. And, and he's in... He's talking right now, which is very easy for me to understand. But when he writes, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something I've been struggling with. How to find the right balance to be mass appealing, but also appeal to somebody who has, you know, deeper knowledge of some of the topics. And uh, that's something that I've been trying to wrestle with recently. And one of the reasons why I really wanted to take so long in outlining the book itself, why I've taken, you know, so long to actually build the outline, because it's going to start... The first chapters, the first entire book is foundational. It, it, it covers sacred geometry, Pythagorean numbers 1 through 10, as the metaphysics of the number system are sort of symbolic of the nature of the cosmos. We talk about a couple of major world religious ideas from the Kabbalists and the, and the Tibetans and other, other groups of people uh, try and talk about the nature of being. And uh, we talk a little bit about Plotinus and uh, like Lovejoy's concept of the great chain of being. And it kind of starts with the beginning of creation, of manifestation, and then it leads towards, uh, I'm, I'm like slowly holding people's hands as we get through the ideas of, you know, scientism and science as an industry and as an institution is amazing um, because it gives us medicine, it gives us cars flying apparatuses that can take me to the other side of the country in a few hours but um i i heavily criticize it in in the way that you cannot look at the entirety of the whole world from one limited perspective and if you do so in, in the terms of you know being in being a positivist or like a scientist who looks at the world materially then it, it will limit your ability to grow and see the truth of the nature of reality and then we kind of go on a, a couple of tangents here and there as we criticize you know this thing and that thing then we bring it back to the center and and then we carry it on and on and on there's all these chapters and and then at the end of the first book it's like okay now you have the foundation and the language and we can come to terms so that way my second and third books which are kind of more self-help how i feel like we all should behave in society how the world 
could be, how we should be, how we should be better. All of those things that I'll be dropping will make more sense because you will have a, a, obtained that foundational work in the first book. And that's that process, I think, will help people because some of the things that I talk about are so wildly out there and it's so ridiculous that you just you say, what? Like one thing, for instance, is I always say everything is and everything isn't. At the highest level of reality, contradiction is the highest truth. And when you hear that, it's jarring. You're immediately like, what do you, did you just say? You said contradiction is truth. Like that doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, so trying to trying to take people on that journey in a way that's going to make sense and resonate with them is something I've been struggling with. But uh, but I, I've been I've been getting closer and closer and closer. And having these sorts of experiences uh, where I get to come on a podcast like this one and just kind of practice talking about ideas to you know various uh, domains of people and discourse it's it's definitely been a good experience so i really appreciate it because it, it helps me uh helping you helps me <laughs> it's it's and, like it's it's the, finding the connection and stuff like that and finding that um that outlet in the process because um i i honestly believe that you know in order to help somebody you ha don't have to necessarily tell them what to do but let them kind of talk it out and i think that um Let's kind of go to the beginning of things. So the last time BJ and I were supposed to podcast together, but he had a lot of stuff going on. So it was it was kind of I hate scheduling. That's one of my weakness. But um, <clears throat> all right, BJ, since we're gonna since we're gonna go there. So tell us or the audience about your death experience. You remember that we were about to talk about that? My death experience? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Were, oh, were, yeah. Were we talking about substances or? Yeah. Were... No, no. <laughs> no. Um, I think you were. Um, it was on Facebook again, and you said something, something. I almost died, and I was like, "What?" Oh, yeah. And my then, buddy saved my life. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, okay. So maybe that will kind of get them an idea about the shit you've been through to kind of understand why you're like this. <laughs> Well, I mean, in that instance, I was being a bit hyperbolic, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I did almost die. I was really drunk, and I, I was, it was dark, and I was walking around, and I was being a fool and acting like, uh, you know, I was God or whatever in my days of strong ego. And um, I tried to I, – I, I thought that, you know, I could do things beyond human capacity, and uh, one of my good, good friends just made sure that didn't happen in the process of me trying to do those things. And he just made sure it didn't happen with like all his might. <laughs> and, and so, and so that, that's what I meant that day uh, by he saved my life. But there have been times where I have in my life uh, been in very, very bad situations. Uh, and somehow by the grace of, you know, God, guardian angels, past life karma, who knows, luck, probability maybe because i'm white who knows <laughs> <laughs> i don't know oh, yes. but bj's white <laughs> yeah and i'm a white cis male so maybe cis that male. maybe that's why you know who knows <laughs> the, the, the hierarchical <laughs> gods is with bj right now <laughs> they were with me on multiple occasions <laughs> i mean i've had multiple guns in my face before people who i thought i could trust turn on me I've been in the back of police vehicles where if things went a slightly different direction, I could have gone to prison for years. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been in situations where I myself have gotten, you know, hurt or almost 
killed myself or whatever on accident and then people are there to help me out and who knows i have no idea but what i tell people is that i have lived life on two sides of the spectrum i've lived life on the streets kind of as a hoodlum with nothing just kind of running around with people doing the wrong thing um you know living in the moment and then i've completely on the opposite side of the spectrum and you know been completely rebellious anti-government uh anti-establishment and then for years after that growing up a little bit getting a job and working for the literal government and doing the straight edge lifestyle white picket fence getting married having a kid staying out of trouble keeping my nose clean paying taxes like it's been i've experienced both sides of of that coin and i think you know i grew up in savannah georgia um and then when i was like 13 14 i moved to uh you know, the Olympia, Washington area. So I've experienced both coasts and both the South and the North. Um, you know, my experience as a kid was I was the minority in my town. Um, you know, kids, kids were crazy. There was not really a lot of good energy in terms of parental guidance. You know, I kind of, I didn't live in the extreme ghetto, but in Savannah, it's kind of wild. And then growing up in, uh, in, in, Washington, it was like culture shock because I moved there and now I'm the majority and everyone else that I was used to being around uh, were now non-existent. I lived in a little town and, you know, crazy Rainier. And I don't know, it's just the, these, uh, these different varying perspectives of opposing nature has kind of given me insight into the nature of people um, and just how we should treat each other what's important. And then I guess when I was like 12, 13 years old, I I watched a movie called Donnie Darko and House of a Thousand Corpses at the same time, if anybody's a Rob Zombie fan. The same day, I watched both of those movies. But Donnie Darko touched me uh, in a way no other movie really did at that time. And And I would go to the library and I wanted to like research time travel, interdimensional travel. And I came across a book in the library called DMT, The Spirit Molecule by Dr. Rick Strassman. And uh, I read that book cover to cover and I thought it was incredible. I ended up, I either bought it or I stole it. I don't, I don't remember how I got a copy of the book, but I read it like three or four times um, that summer before I started my uh, freshman year in high school. And that led me on a path of, you know, trying to lucid dream, practicing astral projection, trying to get my hands on any psychedelic substance that I could. Uh, and all the while I was researching avidly on websites like airwid.com, the Nexus, DMT Nexus, um, Myco, Mycotopia, um, all of the websites that you can go to on the clear net to learn about psychedelics, their history, the culture, how to use it, how to be safe. YouTubers, I was watching all of it. Then I was 15 years old and finally decided I was ready. And my first psychedelic experience was salvia divinorum, which is still legal in very many states. And my salvia experience was a complete ego death. It took three or four goes at it before I experienced complete and utter ego death uh, in which the entire experience was so alien. You could not really put it into words. I could try my best, but changed my perspective forever. And ever since then, I kind of went down a long rabbit hole of psychedelic use um, for a couple of years. And um, those experiences kind of helped integrate, you know, that weird polar shift from childhood to adulthood and 
a lot of other things happened. You know, I got with a girl, fell in love. We broke up. I was heartbroken. Decided that, you know, I was going to become a crime lord. I'll just say that. Did a bunch of crazy stuff, lived really fast, met a ton of different people, experienced everything life has to, to give. And then we ended up coming back together. And then I moved states with her and she kind of straightened me out. And um, and then I just kind of devoted myself to a life of study and solitude rather than running around like a crazy person like I used to. And so all of these collected experiences sort of boiled down into this person who I am today. So that's the, a bit of my history, a bit. So could you describe, so I haven't experienced a psychedelic just yet. Um, I do have a series called Drunk Philosophy where I'm going to be on podcasting on psychedelics. My magic mushrooms. <laughs> I, just, I just bought some, y'all. So, but anyways, wow. um, <laughs> so could you explain um, the, if you can, the, what, what is ego death? What sensation that you felt? What? difference of if yeah. you can compare the when you, before and after you had ego not the ego's gone if you can. yeah yeah definitely so okay there's a bunch of concepts in um major religious ideas that you can go and look at um but it all of all of the religions that sort of talk about the nature of reality usually boil down to this state of beingness without beingness it's it's being or it's it's awareness right or um self-awareness without there actually being any other object other than an infinite unity like a an infinite oneness so the concept behind most uh, monotheism is all things in the world that you can see and experience including your own mind and your own body are fragments of a holographic whole in which the true reality is one thing it's what the alchemists call the prima materia um it's what you know the kabbalists call einsof or you know different different cultures have different names for for this concept but it's sort of like a dissolution of yourself into a state of awareness in which you are only aware that there is awareness, but there's no object of awareness, if that makes sense. And with salvia specifically, um, it's a it's a different type of psychedelic. They call the classic psychedelics classic because they're serotonergic. They operate on the uh, 5-HT receptor uh, where serotonin usually binds to. And serotonin is kind of like the drug that makes us do everything that we do for the most part. Um, it's, it's the drug that helps us, you know, navigate our world, use our eyeballs, look at things, feel good when not to be confused with dopamine, but it's, it's pretty much the, the, the chemical that makes us literally what we are. And, um, the classic psychedelics operate on that same receptor, but there are psychedelic drugs or drugs that can induce psychosis or other psychedelic mind states that have nothing to do with serotonin. One of those is the salvia divinorum or the salvinorin A chemical. And um, it's a dissociative drug. So upon ingestion, you immediately are separated from self uh, in, in a very weird way. It's as if all of your, okay, so most people experience it like this. The analogy is you become a book 
that's flipping. You become the pages of a book that's flipping and the pages are flipping and flipping and flipping and flipping and you're flipping and flipping and flipping or like a zipper that's that's being unzipped and rezipped. Um, that's like the first sensation that most people experience on salvia. And then after that, there's a plethora of experiences that you could have. One of them, it depends on the dosage. If you're, if you're on a lower dose, you might see colors, hear sounds. You might have a very otherworldly experience. On the higher dosages, it's completely obliterating. It's like, imagine your mind is obliterated, fractured into thousands and thousands of pieces. And, and then now it's gone and there's literally nothing there anymore it, it, it's there's no sight there's no touch there's no smell there's no hearing the experience that you're having is simply pure awareness like there it's there's no blackness there's no light it's it's void but you're aware of the void and it's this infinite abyss that it's just so it's so swallowing and big and most people if they go that far are, are completely terrified because you must do your research before you ingest a psychedelic substance. Boone, you should as well do a lot of research if you haven't already. But yeah, it's very alien. It's really hard to describe. You really can't put it into words because words are products of this mind of ours and this rational mind state where we attribute meaning to a symbol. And then that's the sound of the word that I'm making. And then it makes sense to you as you sort of like reinterpret the symbol, right, uh, through the language and runs through your mental processing machine uh, but when you have something happen to you like ego death it's so un unable to be spoken that it's just it's why they call it wisdom it's why the siddhartha the Gautama siddhartha buddha the first buddha stated that wisdom cannot be spoken um, and it's why the ancient hermetists and alchemists have this concept called gnosis it's spelled g-n-o-s-i-s gnosis and it means to have knowledge by direct experience and you can never tell someone what that is like it's the ages old argument where it's okay when you and i look at a color and i say hey what color is the sky and you say oh it's blue and i'm like yep it's blue but i could never verify that my blue is your blue it, it's just you know maybe to you you're seeing a completely different color but we've agreed upon these symbols and the these outward appearances and then we just I'm saying blue and you're saying blue, but maybe your blue is my purple. You know what I mean? And that gnosis, that that experiential knowledge is you you can never speak it. So having having tried to explain the ego death in very many words, usually it can be broken down to what Jesus said, which is when when the disciples asked him who he was and he said, I am. Uh it's a very occult famous saying, I am. And that's all that it is because it's just a pure awareness of self and with no object of awareness. That is ego death. You die. Boon is gone. There's no more you. There's no memory. There's no feeling. There's no opinions. There's no anything. It's just this crazy awareness of self and that's it. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty mind-blowing, literally and figuratively. Most of the time, people who experience ego death do change. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're immediately going to become enlightened because there's a lot of integration that you have to do, a lot of work you have to do when you come back into your body and you regain self-awareness in your boon self and you have to pick up those pieces and really try to understand what just happened to you. Um, and sometimes, you know, 
some people are better at that and more equipped to do that. And they have teachers and guides. And sometimes people who experience ego death can actually develop pathologies and uh, neurotic tendencies because they fail to integrate properly those experiences. Um, although it does give us a glimpse of divinity, it doesn't necessarily mean that we will become better people. Uh, it still right. takes a lot of effort. Um, but yeah, right. it, it can be scary. It can be. It's more like um, um, I haven't done psychedelics or anything like that, but um, the, the, the birth. So the question that I want to ask you, is it possible to not like, well, is it possible to kill the ego in other ways besides psychedelics or is psychedelics the only route to do so? I think psychedelics are the easiest, fastest, most cheat code key to the locked door route. Psychedelics are the skeleton key that opens all doors. They allow you to fall into places you don't belong. Um, but it's definitely not the only tool. There are a lot of meditative practices, near-death experiences, um, uh, uh, other religious-type experiences where maybe you're not near death, but you know, maybe you, you haven't eaten for days and days and days, you haven't had any water and you have this mental experience that's religious, um, or maybe just it being involved in ritual, uh, ritual magic practitioners, like the occult wizard, or the occult practice of magic in the Western sense. I mean, that's, that's a way to have these divine experiences of sometimes ego death, depending on what, what you're doing and how you do it and, and death itself. Right. Um, there's a lot of different avenues to the truth, I think. Um, but psychedelics is definitely one that is the most easily accessible, but it's also the one that's most easily abused, I think. And we have to be careful because it's like a nuclear weapon. <laughs> it, it can really damage you. Um, but if used properly in the right context, in the right set and setting, uh, with the right intention and you've done the research and you know what you're getting into, it's a very great tool. Um, and I'm, I'm a proponent of psychedelics. Mushrooms, if you're going to do them for the first time, I recommend that, it, it, and it depends on you, if, if you're scared, if you're a little nervous, maybe have somebody come sit you, maybe just someone that you trust, someone who's somewhat like experienced or maybe a family member or a really close friend. And you could eat, you know, one and a half grams. It depends on the strain of mushroom that you got, but one and a half grams is probably enough to give you the giggles, some slight visual distortion. You'll be very much able to control your body and you'll just, you know, it'll be a good fun time. After you kind of dip your toes, I recommend taking the heroic dose that Terrence McKenna talks about, which is five dried grams. And you sit in silent darkness after eating five dried grams and have a sitter in your house, ask them, hey, don't, don't mess with me. You know, only interact with me if I call your name, if I'm freaking out or making crazy sounds, don't bother me at all. Just let me go through my process. Only intervene if I'm about to hurt myself and just take that heroic dose and you will have, you will have a life-changing experience. Um, mushrooms are really hard to control uh, when it comes to like, if you need to drive or go anywhere or do anything, uh, mushrooms prepare to spend the day on the mushroom right? Have that sacred experience. Something more like LSD um, on the lower to mid doses is, in my opinion, easier to control. You can drive, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> don't, don't drive on drugs, people. But you could if you needed to. Um, mushrooms are very sacred, though. Very, very much, very alien, but very of the earth. And they will show you things. 
And I've never actually experienced an ego death on mushrooms before, but I've had incredibly beautiful experiences with the with the fungus. Like with me, it's more like a, a lot of people recommend that I take magic mushrooms at the fact that I suffer from depression, um, suffer from clinical depression. So they want to figure out, well, I want to figure out a way that will kind of ease the pain a little bit that I go through. Now, I don't go through every single day and I normally don't want to like, talk about it or stuff like that. I do talk about it on my podcast, but but the the reason being is that I want to try something new and I want to do it in Nevada. Um, the fact like not, in, <laughs> not in the desert, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I want to do it like in a very quiet areas. And I want my husband to be there with me because this guy experienced with so many psychedelics that I, he, he honestly does have ego death for sure. And he, he's like really chill and chillax, you know, um, yeah. majority of the time. So, but that's pretty much what I want to try as well. Awesome. And um, awesome. the, the thing with, the thing with me is that, you know, I used to be very egotistical and I don't, I'm not really sure that I am now. I, I, I don't really pay attention, but after the birth of my son, the pain knocked me differently. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, who's listening, it feels like you need to poop bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and BJ has a wife. So he was there in the delivery room. He knows what I'm talking about. It's very painful. And it knocked me like out of not consciousness, but more like it made me kind of more empathetic and compassionate after I was done delivering the baby. And so then my near death experience when I was little, when the apartment caught on fire, that situation. And then on top of that, seeing, you know, the death of an actual classmate of mine who got hit by a car, that kind of taught me the experience of, wow, this is, this is existence. This is life. I mean, sure, it's suffering, but I've come to accept that. Um, a lot of people like today, you know, with the political climate and stuff like that, people are, are angry. Uh, people want to, they become, they want to be destructive. They want to be, yeah. you know, I want to destroy They're the reactive. world. I'm so, yeah. exactly. And so with you and me, we're like, well, I mean, that's so part of life. On you know? that, on, on that um, wavelength, two things that I want to say. The first thing is that although one may have an ego death or multiple ego deaths, which give them perspective and they positively integrate it into their life and into their being in which it allows them to be more loving, more caring, more gracious, compassionate, forgiving, patient, um, it you can still fall back asleep, right? Enlightenment, I, I think in the same way that we wake up every day and we go back to sleep every day in a cyclic nature, cycles permeate every level of reality. And even if you are the most enlightened being, there right. will be moments in which you'll slip back into ignorance, back into unawareness, back into forgetfulness, um, right. back into the, the natural order in which your patterns might unfold in your behaviors or in your body language or whatever and we have to we have to keep that in mind because it's okay right and right. um i think there's this wrongful expectation of gurus rishis enlightened people right um, you know to, one on, to be one on facebook <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. And of course, Facebook we, comment. yeah, I mean, we all have our, we all have our struggles and, and, you know, somebody might have the key to unlock every door right in their palm, but they could be an egomaniac or maybe they, they, they right. like, I don't know, weird snuff dungeon porn stuff or something. Right. Who knows? Like we try to, we try to be better. Right. And we try to evade those, those caveats of our nature, but, um, but they exist and it's okay to be awake and it's okay to be asleep. And we, we forgive 
you really want to try to forgive those people who are angry and who are passive, reactionary, uh, unconscious. I call them NPCs. I know it's kind of uh, it's kind of insensitive to say that, I think, but I, that's literally what they are. An NPC is a non-player character, right? When you log in into a massively multiplayer online game, there's a difference between real people in the world who are controlling their avatars, and then there are the computer-generated people who give you the quests and give you, you know, those guys who are just like parts of the video game. And people who are totally wholly unexamined haven't taken a look at the nature of their own self, what makes them tick, why they do what they do. They they are unconscious ideologues. They're unconscious reflections of the world. And this is something that I call the house. It's like a fun, a fun house uh, of mirrors. Like when you go to the carnival and you step inside that mirror fun house where the clown like is on the top and you walk in and this mirror on mirrors on mirrors and this halls and you get all confused on which way you want to go. People are like that at first, right? We're born mostly ignorant to the higher natures of knowledge. Um, although there's some ge genetics, genetic memory, there's some uh, you know, predilection to do this versus that and our behavior patterns. When it comes to the higher knowledge, like mathematics, language, art, uh, truth, um, philosophy, any of these things that are higher uh, in order from the animalistic sort of basic realm, we have to learn those by our experience and by our actual force of will and our focus and all of these higher orders of being which we've been bestowed by the grace of whatever you call god or nature or whatever um and i guess what i'm getting at is most of the time even the people who are awake struggle with this eternal battle of being pushed and pulled by the forces of the cosmos in a way that's passive um in in the alchemical tradition uh, and also in other worldly traditions like the Kabbalistic tradition, masculine energy is an active force and feminine energy is a passive force. And so what they mean by that is, um, and this is why in the Western tradition, God is the father uh, and, and the Shekinah or the feminine aspect of God is the physical reality, like the actual physical space around us. And the reason why that is, is because inanimate matter is, is dead, right? It doesn't move on its own. Inanimate matter doesn't formulate anything. It doesn't call to action anything. It doesn't do anything of its own volition. It just sits there until something else acts upon it. Some force acts upon it externally. So it, it's called the passive force. The feminine force is passive. It's a vessel for things to happen to it or inside of it or around it. The, and then the masculine force is this sort of active, fiery, like mental insemination. It's the it's the seed. It's the the actual force that makes things happen. And uh, I say this because uh, I, I don't even know really. I'm trying to say multiple things at once. But that's the beauty of it. See, guys, yeah. this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> like you guys have to like this is the ride we're going with BJ. I'm just listening right now, just like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's tough it's tough I, I mean i feel like i'm jumping too far ahead but we have to backtrack and then do some groundwork and then we'll jump ahead again but but the the masculine and feminine forces which are are the most fundamental dualistic aspects of reality because reality is ultimately dualistic in nature it's actually it's actually a complete unity right it's this one mono homogenous soup of oneness that pretends to be a multiplicity through the avenue of duality <laughs> like that's the that's the way we say it 
and um, masculinity and femininity, if we can look at it from from multiple angles, we can kind of understand, okay, the people who are wholly asleep are are passive. They, they are as if, you know, they're just inanimate matter. Their minds are wholly unexamined. If something happens, all they do is unconsciously react to that thing. They they create their reality with their words and their actions. And then their reality then reflects because it is the nature of reality to be reflective and passive. And so the reality construct, their actual external realm reflects back upon them and then they internalize it and they ingest it, they eat it, figuratively speaking. They, they ingest it and it becomes part of them. And then their internal state is now going to make more of that shit in a reflective way. And then it's going to reflect back and reflect back and reflect back in this like never ending uh, self-referential loop of shittiness or goodness. It just depends on if you're a lucky or unlucky person, how your day is going that day. Like, you know, just you could be a shittiness or it could be a goodness, but you're wholly unconscious of what you're doing. So you are just a product of this process. And the more that we become self-aware, the more that we take an inner look through a metacognitive process, metacognitive being thinking about thinking, um, we, we gain insight, wisdom, knowledge that we can then use in conjunction with our intellect to then make choices through the power of will. And rather than being an automatic reflection of this house mirror process, we can then decide to shatter the mirror and walk straight through the building. Or we can decide to reflect it halfway, but then make a change before we go the full route. Or we could decide to reflect if that is what we want to choose. Ultimately, we then become the masters of our own destiny. And if we can do that collectively as a whole, and quote unquote, to use the, I guess, the super gross new age term, woke, if we could just be more collectively woke, Again, with the presupposition that we accept the fact that we will fall asleep and we'll wake up again and we'll fall asleep and we'll wake up again. But if we can try our best to be woke and stay awake for a little while longer to wake other people up, we we might be able to make positive changes in the world via the force of the collective will. Because right now, everything is so passive. People aren't actively making changes in the world. They are passively reacting to the events that are occurring in the world, which then just begets more passivity and more chaos and activity is an active sense of order activity and order being masculine and passivity and uh unity so i guess okay i'm gonna i'm gonna say one more thing and you can jump in one more thing because i'm trying to juggle so many things at once uh there is a concept by Rene guinan this philosopher in the 1800s who wrote a book and i reference this book a lot um it's called the reign of quantity and in the book he discusses the concept he discusses many things but in a particular chapter of the book he talks about the idea of unity versus uniformity and the idea of unity is that which is wholly unique it's of the oneness it's of your soul um you know if an example of unity in the real world or in his terms would be somebody who makes, you know, in a village, somebody makes clothes for all of the villagers. And so all of the villagers who are wearing clothes have a sort of 
soul connection or an aspect of connection with the person who built all of that with their own hands. You know, the, it, it's, it's like an aspect of them in the world. And so everyone gives and everyone takes in this sort of way where it's all coming from a place of love and, uh, and um, unique self-expression. So all things that are in their realm are unique artifacts of real self-expression and then and it kind of cohesively brings them all together as a big civil unit and they all have collective uh, identities together because they all have this sort of uniqueness all around them that they're all taking part in and sharing in collectively that is unity then he talks about the idea of uniformity which is the polar opposite of unity but it's still kind of like the same thing in which the industrial revolution came we have like printing presses paper mills we have like you know clothing uh factories and it's just like pumping out shirt after shirt t-shirt after t-shirt pants after pants shoes after shoes until everyone has a very limited selection of these same exact artifact in which we all sort of lose our unique sense of self in this very highly uniform uh collectivism and that uniformity versus the unity of mankind is this constant war and it, it can be it can be viewed through the filter of the passive and the active force and you know this thing and that thing so i'm throwing a lot out at you at once but yeah, uh, I, I say all it. these yeah it's hard <laughs> it's hard i say all these things though because you brought up the the nature of people to be angry and to be breaking things and trying to fix the world out there uh, without first fixing the world in here, right? Like, and they're not self-reflecting. And in, until they do that, then they will constantly be products of environment and reflective non-player characters where they're being taken advantage of by the actual players who are the global elite or this, this person with this agenda or this person with that agenda. And to various degrees, we're all aware and active and unaware and asleep, right? And so finding that balance and forgiving people for their ignorance while we forgive ourselves for our ignorance and we all make an effort to be better every moment of every day. Like that is the dream, that's the goal. And ultimately it's the reason for my philosophy, no matter how verbose or like complicated it can get or whatever, that's ultimately the the reason, that's the logos, that's the, or the ethos, that's the, that's the, that's it. It's, that- it's more like <clears throat> and um with with everything that's really complex you can't um um not, not it's just if you guys hear what he's trying to say i understand it at the fact that um um i have done my own kind of meditative state and stuff like that doing tai chi and stuff understanding the yin and yang within myself the masculine and the feminine energy so so when you guys kind of uh, follow foul you guys know since the beginning that's pretty much the process that I'm going through and you're going through and so um, at first some people who, who don't understand like okay so if you put like an NPC, NPC listen to this podcast episode they're like what the hell is he talking about what the hell is he talking about but if you put someone who's like a Buddhist or a monk they're like ah I get it because <laughs> of the fact that it takes transformation self transformation you have to like allow yourself to I guess change in a way but yeah, like yeah. like with me, um, in a way, I feel like th- everybody's waking up. Not woke. Woke is more like an ideologue type of woke. Sure. 
wokeness, in my personal opinion, it's like the third eye. It's opening. You're beginning to see things and you can tell who has been working on their ego or have been working on their self because they, they don't really have to like self-validate themselves. Um, right. And so with me, to kind of say that like the universe needs to wake up and pretty much that's what BJ was trying to say that everybody's coming together as a collective. And for me, I believe like, you know, in order for the universe to, you know, wake up, we need more joy. Um, we need more experiences, um, more ideas, Ultimately, even creativity. Just, just yeah. More, more tolerance, but more active, willful effort to love and to accept and to forgive and to heal. Those are things that have to happen. Like, I guess in saying that, I don't want to say, you know, there's this whole new age movement right now where it's all love, right? All good vibes, right. good vibes only, right? And Happy, and, happy, 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 positive. Right. <laughs> and that's definitely a pathological ref response to the to the utter state of the world. But um, yeah, but and, and it's okay. And, and we forgive those people for being ignorant, though. We forgive ourselves for ignorance because I, I just read a book the other day um, that really was a great read. It's called um, A Guide for the Perplexed by an author called Schumacher. And it's an allusion to the Guide of the or Guide to the Perplex, which was written by Maimonides, which is one of the most famous Jewish philosophers uh, ever. So famous, in fact, that although he's, you know, studied highly in the Jewish circles of faith, um, he was so influential on the world with his philosophy that if you take a philosophy course in college, you will come across Maimonides. Uh, as as like a secular school teaching his philosophy, right? And um, the book, it, it was an allusion to that person, but none of what the book actually talks about has any anything to do with Maimonides' philosophy. But it's nonetheless, it's a really good book. And in it, he talks about, Schumacher says, uh, there's a nature of being that he calls aquidatio or aquidatio. And it means simply you have to have eyes to see and ears to hear, right? You have to have something inside of yourself that mimics or reflects the thing that you're trying to understand. Um, to put it in another way, you have to be, there has to be something about the thing that you're seeing or trying to understand. It has to be within you already. So, as an example, in order to know beauty, you have to be beautiful. In order to know anger, you have to be angry. In order to understand anything about the world out there, you have to also share in that quality inside. And there is a, a huge, vast chasm between what people's adequatio is, whether or not, you know, if you don't have eyeballs, if you don't have an aspect of light inside of you, then you can't see the world. If you don't have ears, then you can't hear, right? It's kind of the idea. And so self-awareness and self-reflection grow our aquadatio in that we begin to consume more and, and ingest more to level that up so that way we have more of the world inside of ourselves so we can understand more of the world. It's kind of like what Carl Jung talks about when he says, you know, that doing the shadow work, like, actually finding the shadow, actually like finding the darkness inside of yourself so you can understand the darkness of the world, things like that. And, um, and I guess the last thing that I want to say about that is when it comes down to ego and everyone talking about ego, 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 
another new age misnomer, uh, aside from, you know, good vibes only, peace, love, dove, no problem, no shadow, is, um, you know, that's pathological because they're not trying, they don't truly understand because they're shutting out the shadow, they're shutting out the badness when they need to integrate it. The other thing that I'll say on that uh, is ego is a divine tool for experience. If in order to exist and have any sort of experience at all, at all, you must be separate from everything else. So going back to the ego death, right? When you go back to ego death, there's no object of awareness or perception. It's just a pure state of awareness. And, it, and it's really hard to wrap your head around that. What that means is um, if there is, okay, okay, okay. Can, can I take it? Can I like pause? Yeah, yeah, is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. So we're going to, okay. There's a Kabbalistic Jew, Jewish mystic, the, the Kabbalists. There's a Kabbalistic uh, metaphor in which they call God. God has these three aspects. I'm only going to talk about one of them right now. It's called Ein Sof Or, which is the infinite light. Meaning, if light, if there's, if there's nothing but light for all of eternity and infinity, it's the same exact thing as saying that there's absolute void or absolute nothingness. Because if there is an, if there's an awareness of an infinite light, and that's all that there is, you can't discern anything from anything else. It's just this big soup of awareness, of awareness it's of light same thing with void infinite darkness it's the same concept and so whether there is light or whether there is darkness doesn't matter in this in this primordial god being god before manifestation occurs before the world is born before the universe is born because it's all one and and oneness does not allow any sort of awareness other than awareness of awareness and as soon as you cast a shadow in that infinite light, as soon as now there is an object that is not the light, a shadow is cast. And inside of the shadow is now nuance. And inside that nuance can come understanding. Because now you see, before there was an infinite light that was so so infinitely bright, it was blinding to the fact you can't see it. It's so infinite. But now there's an object now there's a shadow and now in the shadow you can see that something exists and this is a is a high level metaphor for the nature of reality to require dualism in order for anything to become anything at all and in order for boon to be boon you must also not be everything else that is not boon in order for this chair that i'm sitting on to be this chair it must not be everything else in the world that i'm not sitting on right everything is defined by its opposite in the balance and so to say that we want to get rid of our ego get rid of our ego we're not necessarily understanding that ego is the tool in which we get to be us we get to be something that's not the infinite unity we get to experience this wholly other aspect of reality as a human being and ego is a beautiful thing but it's the polar end of ego it's that negative shadow aspect of ego that we want to try to fix i wouldn't say destroy we More should like never tame, like 
Yeah, kind of tame or integrate is a really yeah. good word that I like to use. Um, in the same way that you can't build a house up from the, you know, without, if, if you take the foundation of a house and you just throw it away, you cannot actually build a house. And I think that's what people don't understand about self-awareness, self, you know, uh, spirituality and growth is they're trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. They're trying to get rid of the foundation and then build up from there. But what you need to do is allow that negative aspect of ego to exist and you integrate it into yourself in a way that brings out positive change through the act of your willpower. And that is how we should be. And, and that's a big statement. People are going to say like, well, how do I do that? What does that mean? And that's a huge, huge aspect of, of, you know, my moral philosophy and what we're trying to accomplish. But thanks for letting me talk about it for a little while. Cause <laughs> it, it's a lot. <laughs> it feels good. It feels good. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and so we can have we can have an entire episode de dedicated to that the process or the step of you know um the ego death or integrating the ego within you yes. and i said this many times i'm a star trek fan and you see this in mirror mirror in the episode in the original series where they go to an entire different universe and see the bad side within themselves and i think the problem with the the npcs today is that they they refuse to accept that they can be bad too if that yeah. makes sense yeah jordan peterson you know talks I mean? a lot about that too and that's one of the one of the things that jp has said that i really really appreciate is you know people aren't people think that they don't have the demon inside of them right they think that oh i can never do that and they judge others for the evils that they have you know the atrocities of mankind hurting mankind but they don't recognize that they do that every single day to the to the people that they love to the people that they don't know just to various degrees which may or may not be as apparent to them and they don't recognize it and and i think that's that lack of awareness that lack of critical thought self-reflection which is you know we are born without that capability that's that is a process that takes effort and discipline and practice and and guidance and and you know if if someone's never been exposed to those sorts of things we have to forgive them it's like when jesus was dying on the cross the jews literally killed him his own people killed him and he he said to god he said you know forgive them for they know not what they do and that is the truth and so there's a level of okay how much are we going to let ourselves be stepped on by the npcs as they destroy everything uh including themselves in grace how much do we allow that to happen and tolerate it and where do we draw the line in the sand when do we take action and when do we fight back and when do we you know try to wage war on that sort of whole entire thing and and how you wage war on that is really important and again it all comes down to your force of will and your intention and it's it's just it's it's a big 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 question how do we help ourselves how do we help other people especially when i am an imperfect person myself and i have my own problems and no matter how woke i am there will always be some aspect some dark deep crevice inside of self that i haven't been able to analyze yet because it's just we're so complicated there's so much there's an infinite potentiality there's an it, literally every person is a miniature universe and it, it's it's an infinite reflective process we could never get to the end of it 
you can never truly master self. You can never truly get to the end of the universe. You can never truly reach God because if infinity is constantly expanding away from you and you're constantly chasing it. And so there's always going to have to be a level of, of uh, acceptance, right? Or, or um, letting go. But we at the same time need to try and we need to put forth an effort. And so it's this contradiction. Um, and that leads me back to the first thing that I said is contradiction is the highest truth. Um, and I could explain and unpack that in so many different ways, but it's just, you know, it's like the Buddhists. It's if you try to find enlightenment through the Buddhist path, it's wanting to be enlightened is an obstacle that you come to, you know, saying, I want to escape, uh, this constant rebirth process right to skip the jargon for people who aren't aware of it you know someone who wants to reach um freedom from this process more, more like uh, with, with the buddhist uh the episode that i was talking about the nine levels of consciousness buddhahood that's what it is yeah like and, like yeah. nirvana yeah. you escape from yeah. samsara st- stopping the process of death and rebirth and the suffering that we're constantly chained to for all of eternity for whatever reason um and it's like how how are you how you go about trying to heal and fix the world or should you even there's always this like sort of nihilistic sort of demon that we have to battle with all the time where it's like okay if i recognize all to be unity all to be this ultimate oneness then why do we care if bad things happen to people if good and bad have their place in reality if bad and good need each other to exist why do we why do we try and stop rape and murder and thievery and you know we have to battle this there's always this balance, right? There's, it's a frustrating reality that we live in, in which there's always an argument. There's always an, an opposing energy. There's always a valid opposition. And that is the force of Satan to, to put it into like a religious terminology. And this is something I've said in a recent podcast as well. So if anyone's heard a couple of podcasts that I've been on, it's just, you know, I'm regurgitating some some old things, but I'm trying to drill it into people's heads. If this is brand new to you, then Satan is the force of opposition. It is the the force of reality that lets you be you because you are not everything else. It is the cleaving, slicing, and dicing, cutting God into energy. And it's it you know, we always have opposition, even in self, even when we're trying to become woke or trying to help people. We're always battling. So it's like, where do we draw those lines in the sand? Where do we where do we stop accepting people being NPCs and where do we force our will upon them? And and that's a huge question for politics too. It's like where do we draw the line with being okay with big government or anarchy? You know what I mean? And so it's always this battle. So be humble, just realize like that's the biggest thing I could say. I guess what I'm trying to say is we need to remember to be humble because there's always opposition and that opposition is always right. But we're right too. And that's a contradiction. But <laughs> yeah, contradiction is the highest truth. Just constant. And you know the funny thing is is that you know I, I strongly believe in synchronicity and right on my computer screen at the moment I am writing a script for, you know, talking about the seven demons and the shadow. Awesome. <laughs> so that's awesome. That's that's pretty much like like the Carl Young thing and then Nietzsche and then mixing everything into two. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So but um anyways, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode and uh, you guys can hear that he is on a different level. 
than all of us. And it's not not a status thing, guys. You guys could reach his his height, but at the same time that he talks about, you can fall right back down. Um, and it's a constant. Um, it's like uh, the dumb game Flappy Bird. You know, what I mean, like you just kind of like you know what I'm talking about. You're like you're constantly trying to like make it through the fucking hole to the next like level. That's how I see it. It's That's like it. Yeah. like existence is like video game. You guys, it's like you have to like upgrade your. You know, let me bring up Skyrim. I don't know if you guys know Skyrim <laughs> or even or even Red Dead Redemption or pretty much you know any Resident RPG, Evil, stuff like any RPG, any, any, any RPG. Any game, you know, you guys have to like upgrade your equipment constantly because if you, it's an it's a it's it, it's a continuous process of self transformation, and at the same time, you can get it taken away from you. You can go back yeah, to the beginning again. You know what I mean? You can, yeah, you can lose. You can be the best person in the world at Flappy Bird. You've made it thousands and thousands and thousands of holes through the tunnels without messing up and then you mess up once and then you you're playing again and and on the first hole the first tunnel you make a mistake and you die immediately even though you are the best person in the world at that game you slipped up you made a mistake and and that happens we all will wake up and we all will fall asleep in our own ways and our in our own time and uh and so just remember to love people and love yourself forgive people forgive yourself and always make a conscious effort to do better tomorrow than you did today and and that's really all you can do. And hopefully we can sow seeds with our philosophy. We can help people see the truth of the nature of self. And we can learn more about ourselves in that process. And ultimately, we can get somewhere better than where we are today. And that, that, that's the goal. And that's pretty much the 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 uh, what we're asking is you to work with us and we work with you. Unfortunately, we don't, you know, it's that's just... <sighs> We're not naive. We see that. We see that sometimes it can be impossible. We can see that there are people that you don't like. I I have that issue where I have anger issues, and I'm, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I'm I'm a little firecracker. All right, so I'm <laughs> I'm a, I'm a little dragon, and and BJ is a little dog. So he's yeah. more kind of loving. He's like, oh come on, man. You know, let's let's work with each other. You know, I'm more like, screw you. I don't like you. Down. We're just gonna burn their cities. <laughs> We're just breathe fire on them. We're, we're flying high above them. Those little two-legged beings down there. It's the like you peasant. It's like you peasant. <laughs> For real. Hot tui. Right. It's For like real. we don't need your stuff. So I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Um, BJ will be a frequent person in his own series where I think the next episode I'm going to try to get him to try to explain the process of ego death to you guys or even more. Um, it's on him. So thank yeah, you, yeah, BJ. We could, we could talk about your, it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for your wisdom and your time. And guys, as always, stay far out. Bye. Bye.